Hello, welcome to another episode of Just Cuz, the podcast where two cousins talk about things they love. Uh, that's Max, I'm Sasha, and today we are going to be discussing Barbenheimer. This is Barbenheimer week, the week where cinema has returned with all its glory. With a big old punch in the face, <laughs> and gosh... We can't very well talk about Barbie and Oppenheimer in the same video. So we will be cutting this into two parts. We're going to have Barbenheimer part one and Barbenheimer part two. And just so you know, I did the full Barbenheimer experience. I went in the order of the names. I saw Barbie and then I saw Oppenheimer. And Max, let me tell you, okay, that was a mistake. <laughs> I absolutely should have watched Oppenheimer first, which I wanted to, but due to extraneous circumstances, we had to see Barbie first. I went with a group of people, and other people's interests were different than mine, and they had to see Barbie first, and I was like, God damn it. So I left the theater pretty depressed, honestly. <laughs> I watched them in the same exact order, Barbie and then Oppenheimer, but I had a day between to really... I was going to say de-stress, but you don't need to de-stress after Barbie. And that is, of no, course, no. the movie that we're talking about in this part. That is what we're going to be talking about first. And honestly, yeah, I had so much fun seeing Barbie and then to leave and immediately go into Oppenheimer. I felt like it diminished a little bit of the joy that Barbie brought to my life. So I went and saw it again last night. So Good. I've seen it twice now. And I am... Um, just as in love with it as I was the first time. It really is something special. It is absolutely unimaginable. I cannot, let me tell you this, I never thought in a million years that an absurdist piece of feminist film would be the biggest blockbuster movie opening of the summer and of the year. It's insane. And when you say absurdist, it, that's what it is. It's surreal absurdism. It is. It, it, it employs so many tactics of surrealist and absurdist filmmaking and theater and just any kind of art. And it's, it, boy, does it pay off. Oh, my God. So what should we talk about first? Should we get into this massive cast? Should we get in, right into the themes of feminism and patriarchy? What are we talking I think about? We should, I think we should do opinions first. I want to hear your... I know we just did basic opinions, but I want to hear what you really have to say about okay. Barbie. So other than the fact that I absolutely loved this, this was such a fun experience. I just want to preface everything with, you know, if this movie makes you mad, take a step back and ask why. Because this movie, all it's doing is it's poking at every norm that we've set over how many centuries and it's just saying, hey, what if things were different? Well, it'd still be bad, and we need to try and change it. That That's my takeaway. Of course, we're going to get way more into that. But what's your takeaway? So, I mean, I agree with you. I think ugh, I sat down for Barbie, and I thought that it was going to be... Obviously, I knew that it was going to have something to say. It's a Greta Gerwig film. Greta Gerwig is a... Uh, our Lord and Savior, you know, she is an amazing <laughs> filmmaker and she always has such deep themes of feminism and just the way that the world is just like a clear view of the world from a perspective that uh, is not talked about as much as it should be. 
because it's a perspective that roughly 50% of the population shares. And I knew I knew to be expecting something, but when I sat down and Barbie Margot Robbie Barbie woke up in her dream house and started, you know, brushing her hair with a fake hairbrush and looking into a mirror that had no glass. I was mesmerized. I I absolutely was like, this is too good. This is so great. And the production value, the way that the brush was looked like a toy and the pool was just plastic. Everything looked like a toy. It was so perfect. And then they zoomed out and they did those like wide shots of her driving in her car. And I could have sworn that was a real fucking Barbie. That wasn't Margot Robbie. I was like, that is that is stop motion animation with a real Barbie. You're fucking with me. With like a matte <laughs> painting in the background. It, it was yeah. stunning. And it was like a cheesy stunning. But it was, yeah. it was amazing. It was no, perfect. No, it's so good. It's exactly what it's set out to do. And, like, I think that's a common misconception with movies. And people think, oh, it has to be hyper-realistic and beautiful, like 1917, to be, to be a great movie, to be a beautiful production design movie. Or it has to have a bunch of costumes that are, you know period accurate or it has to look like this it has to look a certain way right and that's not true okay to be a good movie you just have to accomplish what you set out to accomplish and this movie oh god it fucking did that it in space really it strived was, at that yeah and not even getting into the themes and the uh just the messages that are in this movie, every single line, every single delivery, every moment of this film is so packed full of emotional and intellectual punches. And not just that, it's just packed full with reference and Easter eggs, too, about Barbie lore. <laughs> like, there is yeah. care about Barbie put into this movie. Seriously. Ugh, okay. So... The thing that shocked me the most, honestly, I didn't know what the plot was going to be. I knew that she was, you know, from the trailers, we all knew, oh no, her high heel is flat. Everyone is barfing because she has flat feet. It's hilarious. But, um, you know, she's thinking about death. Why? What's wrong with Barbie? Why does she have to go to the real world? And we knew all that going into the trailer, but I didn't know that it was going to be the second that um, Kate McKinnon's Barbie started... Uh, what is it weird barbie <laughs> yeah weird barbie started explaining to um main uh, stereotypical barbie that the problem was the girl that is playing with her is sad i was like oh god <laughs> this i know what this is gonna be this is i was not prepared I knew that Barbie was going to come to the real world, and I was really worried about that. But if she goes to meet someone and try to cheer her up and change her world, that means that, you know, there's going to be emotion to it. I was also a little bit worried because I had no idea how the mechanics of this universe worked. Because, and I'll just get into it now, if one girl is sad playing with Barbie then obviously like this isn't the first time that this has happened and then later in the movie that is confirmed yeah i think that this movie at first i was i was the same i was trying to figure out the mechanics and how 
how this Barbie land worked. And, you know, from the from the narration in the beginning, they're like, oh, they live in Barbie land. It's just over here. It's um, they're they're separate from the real world, but they know everything about it and they know everything. But they also don't know that there's patriarchy and stuff. <laughs> and uh, and so, feminism has been solved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh God! As soon as Helen Miram me. said that, I was like, "Oh, we're we're doing this." Yeah, no, I was like, mm, "It's not at all going to be subtle." I love that. <laughs> the boardroom scene really fixed any kind of confusion that I had, or the the scene where Adam from Sex Education goes oh, up yeah. to Will Ferrell, and Will Will Ferrell's just like, "Whatever you think it is, yes, just." Is it a parallel yeah. dimension? Yes. Is it exactly. a separate reality? Yes. Whatever yeah. works for you, that's how it works. Yeah, and that is what I was going to say. I remember now. I was like, I don't think this movie was overly worried about the mechanics of its own world. Okay, there's no. a ghost who works on the 17th floor of the Mattel building. <laughs> there's, there's, for some reason, there's a sex education reunion in this, in the middle of this movie. <laughs> Do they meet? And... I don't think they No, meet. they don't. They walk past. Okay, so so um, Emma Mackey and Chitigatsuwa's uh, Barbie and Ken are their Barbie and Ken to each other and they're best friends. And then in like at the very end, I think, I don't know his real name, Adam from Sex Education, like walks by them, walks near them. And I was just, oh, no, Connor Swindles or whatever. Yeah, that's his name, Connor. He just walks past them and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> At least they were on set together for one day. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Speaking of that, so many recognizable faces. Oh my goodness. So many. In Barbie and Oppenheimer, when I got mm -hmm. done with both movies for the day, I turned to my roommate and I was like, we just saw every star in Hollywood on yeah. screen today. <laughs> More except, so for Oppenheimer. Except Meryl Streep, yeah. But like, oh my goodness. Uh, some people will get this, but when I saw Gravik on screen and Barbie... I, I was I was stunned. It's a it's a secret his, invasion reference. What's his real name? No, I know you because you told me. Um, <laughs> no, those are for the listeners. Oh, yeah, Benadir. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, no one's he was watching great secret invasion. In Barbie. No, he was great though. <laughs> Everyone was so great, and it's freaking a huge cast. Ugh. Simu Liu. Oh god, I was about to butcher his name. He was great. I adore Simu Liu and he was he was he was so fucking hilarious. <laughs> but movie. of course, Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie. Holy crap. They, they just put it. their whole pussies into this role, didn't they? Both <laughs> they, of them. Into yeah. both of the roles. My god. The Kennergy. <laughs> <laughs> it is deafening. It was so amazing i i mean i i'm bouncing around so much just because you could tell i'm giddy about this movie i know same okay so i was talking about the plot right yes so the thing that surprised me the most is when she goes up um barbie finally gets to the school where her um the girl who's playing with her is sad and whose um, name is sasha i know her <laughs> name was sasha and literally that's my name for anyone who didn't listen to our intro. Uh, and um, everybody, all of my friends, I was there with a like a large group of people and every single one of my friends turned to me and started <laughs> laughing. And then Sasha opened her fucking mouth 
and I was like, oh no, this is exactly what I sound like. This is exactly how I felt about Barbie before this movie came out. Would you do this to Barbie if she walked up to you? Absolutely, I would. <laughs> if a girl dressed in hot pink cowboy outfit came up to me and looked like a supermodel and said, I'm Barbie, aren't you going to give me a hug for helping all women? You bet your fucking ass I'd tear her down. And then you would help her on her hero's journey. So that's the right thing yes, to do. Yes, exactly. Well, no, because I, I was seeing how she was acting with her mom, America Ferreira. Mm -hmm. um, and... I was just like, God, this is exactly how I was in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Dr dressed in the black, hating on on uh, anything that is that could be deemed feminine. You know, it's a it's a defense mechanism for that. A lot of young girls employ because as America Ferrera says later in the climax of the movie, um, that you have to be, you have to fit in with the other girls, but you always have to stand out. You can't be one of the crowd, but you can't stand out too much. And what an incredible God, monologue. Everything she said in that fucking monologue hit me so goddamn close to home. And it's, I, it's supposed to. And that is definitely something that I and so many young girls, you know, feel and just women in general st I still feel that a lot of the time but when I was you know not to get all personal and shit but like when I was uh in middle school and high school I didn't want to be quote-unquote like other girls I wanted to be not like other girls okay I wanted I was I was emo I wore lots of black I uh didn't I hated Taylor Swift? I said that I hated Taylor <laughs> Swift and I hated pink and I would never wear pink and I had red hair and I was, you know, just like <laughs> fucking obviously basic teenager stuff, but also trying to distance yourself from the herd. I made it a point to be like, oh, other girls like Twilight. I hate Twilight. I like, you know boyish things like Harry <laughs> Potter or whatever, which is what was deemed boyish back then. It's just, it's so interesting to like see that kind of stuff represented in a huge blockbuster movie that everyone is going to see because mm -hmm. I've never seen that kind of mentality represented before. And not just that, it's it shows you real life drama and and then it shows you just the exaggerated reality in ken and barbie that is mm -hmm. not real but also when you think about it for more than a second it's like everything that they do that is very real everything that ken gets petty about that's something that i've probably gotten mad about in the past you know just mm -hmm. something super petty and doesn't matter and i'm making a generalization but that is definitely something a guy would do or a ken would do Oh my god. Absolutely. Goodness. Okay. So, um I I'm going to read this really quick. This uh Wikipedia definition of theater of the absurd. Please do. Because while I was watching Barbie, this was all that I could fucking think about. <laughs> okay? So, the plays focus largely on ideas of existentialism and express what happens when human existence lacks meaning or purpose and communication breaks down. 
The structure of the plays is typically a round shape with the finishing point the same as the starting point. Logical construction and argument give way to irrational and illogical speech to the ultimate conclusion. Silence. I think that fits to an extent. Uh, obviously, it's talking about theater and it's not talking yes. about film and it's not talking about, I don't know, it's it's very, it's a very broad definition yes. of existentialism um, in theater. Um, but I studied existentialist theater when, uh, and sorry, absurdist theater when I was in college. And this was all that I could think about while I was watching the, <laughs> while I was watching Will Ferrell run after Barbie <laughs> in the depths of the Mattel building. <laughs> and all of his bodyguards are... That's one thing I forgot to mention. It's surreal in Barbie land, and I fully expected that. But it's also surreal in the real world. Yeah. Which is just a filmmaking choice. It's, no, it's absolutely incredible. He just, like, Will Ferrell just drops, like, random absurdist <laughs> nonsense out of nowhere. And it's it's not random. Like, it's amazing. It's supposed to be there for a reason. But he's just like... Oh, yeah, Ruth Handler's uh, ghost keeps an office on the 17th floor. <laughs> or I can't through get through this security gate. Oh, wait, my card. Oh, wait, I can't get it. <laughs> What's going on? And oh, we're never going to find Barbie. Oh, <laughs> it's just a masterpiece. Like, yeah. I think that the that the big like the beginning part of that definite it absolutely applies to a movie focusing on the ideas of existentialism and expressing what happens to human existence when it lacks meaning or purpose and communication breaks down. I was like, that is literally the beginning of Barbie's journey. The movie is better for it because, and we'll get into it more, but the third act drops the absurdity, I think. And that's, uh, I mean, obviously the Barbie land stuff, but everything with Ruth and Barbie's conclusion I feel like that was when Greta Gerwig was like, okay, not so much absurd. This is where I have something to say. And that's why right. I think it doesn't fit the absurdity yeah. 100%. Well, no, I think I, I, I think you're wrong because, sorry. but <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, first of all, I wouldn't consider that the third act. I'd consider the third act, you know, the Kens fighting and the dance battle and the the ken anywhere else i'd be a 10 song which is a masterpiece and it's been oh, it's stuck amazing. in my head all morning um, <laughs> but and then i'd consider that just the ending the uh i don't know i'm making a story slope with my hands but that no one can see that <laughs> the so, climax. but it's like the no 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 it's past the climax it's the end oh, the part. whatever it's called <laughs> i forget denouement um, yeah that i'm sure that's right <laughs> very french um, I'm, i apologize <laughs> <laughs> so absurdist theater is not it, the common misconception with absurdist theater is that it is absurdist for the sake of absurdism and it's just throwing random shit at you and saying like oh this is existentialist right that's not what existentialist theater is or what absurdist theater is it is it's always trying to get at something. It's trying to get at a theme. And obviously, you can't do an entirely absurdist film and have it make sense to people on the level that Barbie has been viewed by consumers. But uh, it absolutely falls within 
the parameters of absurdism, I think. And it has a point, which absurdist theater does and absurdist film always does. It It is saying something, it has a message. And especially like you said at the end um, with Ruth and Barbie becoming human, um, I think I think it all plays into the same theme of she was lacking meaning or purpose before and now she's going out and trying to get it. And I don't even mean to separate because when I think of the movie, I think of how it was cheesy on purpose, which of course fits into that absurdist theater. But then it was very, very cheesy up until Ruth or up until America for ours uh, monologue. And those two moments really separated the movie. And it didn't separate itself from the cheesy stuff. It more elevated the entire film for me. And I think it doesn't fit with the absurdity entirely, but it's all the better for it. Mm -hmm. I I totally agree with you that those moments are, you know, drops in the pond of absurdism. They're not Mm -hmm. absurd. They are truthful and accurate. Um, And... America talks about being a woman and Ruth talks about being human, which are the same thing. If anyone who's listening was not clear on that, those are the same things. I think you are 100% right in that it's not just about being a petty man or a petty woman. It's just about being a petty human being and human beings are pure and they are petty and they're every one of those things because they Mm. are human beings. Exactly. And they're complicated. Like what um, Kate McKinnon warned Barbie that she would become at the beginning. <laughs> You're going to get all soft and complicated. <laughs> and then she hissed at her, which I love. <laughs> but um, like the movie does stay, for, for lack of a better term, cheesy after those scenes happen or after the America Ferrera scene. Like the Kens have a giant battle on the beach that turns into a dance battle in an uh in an absurdist space where they're all wearing black and pink socks and it's incredible (laughs) and they're all they all have the you know dancing moves down in their head which is just fantastic that's that's classic musical stuff baby it was it's just amazing i loved it so much that they're like you know what, instead of having a huge climactic battle, well, no, it is a huge climactic battle, but we're going to frame this as a the first musical number of the movie <laughs> and only musical number of the movie. And all the Kens are going to fight with tennis rackets and slap fights and <laughs> beach balls. God. It's just incredible. Again, like so much fun in this movie. And there, there are some things that are just jokes. Like I think... Midge, is that her name? The pregnant Barbie? (laughs) She was hilarious. So funny. So funny. Very little screen time, but so (laughs) goddamn worth it. And, oh my god, Michael Sarah as Alan? (laughs) Absolutely iconic. I went, I found out a little bit about Alan, or I tried Mm -hmm. to. And, uh, basically... There's nothing else to find out about Alan other than what he says in the movie. Alan's box, as a t- his toy box, was Alan. He's Ken's buddy. All of Ken's clothes fit him. 
<laughs> and that's it <laughs> until oh, until they released Midge and they decided that Midge was going to marry Alan and Alan is the father of Midge's baby sort of but also not because if you look at Alan's box he's very clearly with Ken <laughs> Ken is on the box too and he's like behind Alan and it says like buddy TM and then it's like all of Ken's clothes fit him and I'm like what are you trying to imply here Mattel <laughs> what are you trying to imply with sugar daddy Ken Mattel oh, yeah. Midge is just his perpetually pregnant beard I guess so <laughs> she's the perpetually <laughs> pregnant beard that makes everyone uncomfortable because pregnant dolls are yuck yeah they are weird and again we've been talking about absurdism everyone who is not happy with how absurd this movie is should get with the program because the movie starts with Barbie de being introduced as a monolith. As being introduced as 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's incredible, first of all. Brilliant. Yeah. Like, how does one think of that? Um, but also, like, I don't, I don't know if anyone is upset at the absurdism of this movie. I think... I've been seeing news reports of, like, people boycotting the movie and um, just, like, conservatives very against this movie because it uh, degrades men. It quote-unquote <laughs> degrades men. And um, it's anti-men. Of course, that's what they will take from this. Yeah. That's what every uh, person who's been against feminist movement and women's rights forever have taken from any of that that we hate all men and that's what we want we want men to disappear whereas and this movie goes out of its way to state this feminism has always been about equality or equity and it states that if one gender man or woman is more disproportionately in charge things will not go well exactly that is the whole point of the it's Barbie and it's Ken. The marketing for this movie was so brilliant because half of it you don't understand until you've seen the movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like when when the movie was still coming out, we were all laughing at the um, that the posters. This Barbie's a doctor. This Barbie is a lawyer. This Barbie's the president. This and the, and then just he's just Ken. You know <laughs> yeah. that was we were all laughing. Oh, that's so funny. Ha <laughs> ha. He is just Ken. But also, that is the thesis of the movie, that it can be just Barbie and just Ken. And he mm -hmm. doesn't have to be anything else, and he doesn't have to be an accessory to Barbie. Just like in the real world, women don't have to be an accessory to men. I mean, Greta Gerwig was constantly talking about uh, in interviews how uh, Barbie and Ken are the reverse Adam and Eve that he was exactly. created as an accessory to her, as something to give her something to do, not, and, and he was her meaning. Or no, so she was his meaning. Wasn't it just like a rib that created Eve? In, yeah, in the, in the lore, in the myth. <laughs> um, <laughs> in the sorry, manga. Um, yeah, Eve was created from, well, actually, you know, the Bible's pretty interesting. I know you and I are not 
the go-to experts of the Bible. Um, but I've read that the first woman was actually created equally alongside Adam, and her name was Lilith. And for anyone else listening who's not a Jew, this is old news. But for us, this is not something we ever knew about. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard about this. Yeah, so um, Lilith was created completely the same as Adam. She was uh, created out of nothing. She didn't spawn from anything. She was immaculately conceived uh, by God. <laughs> and... Uh, she didn't want to be with Adam or something. I don't know exactly what it was, but like she didn't want to be with Adam and she uh, rebelled, quote unquote, rebelled. And then she was deemed the mother of demons and a demon. And so and so an autonomous woman is a... if you're independent, you're a demon. Yeah, exactly. So God learned. God learned from his mistake and this time spawned Eve out of Adam and created a woman who was beholden to a man as her creator, which is just, oh my God. If you fucking think about that for a second, you're like, oh, now I know where all the problems come from. <laughs> People who think like this. We just watched a two hour movie that explained why that is clearly a bad thing. Yeah. I even, uh, Barbie never reciprocated Ken's feelings, which sucks, but even never. if she did, that's still not a, a way to live. I don't think that sucks at all, and here's why. <laughs> Sorry. It sucks but for Ken. It sucks for Ken, sure, but Barbie, like, when Ken was created, he was... And like, like everyone said, he was an accessory to Barbie, but Barbie never asked for that. Barbie was doing fine on her own. She doesn't want a boyfriend. She doesn't want to be... She's not in love with Ken. She says that plain in the movie. I'm not in love with Ken. Fucking good. Because you don't need to be. You're Barbie. You can... Like, that's what Will Ferrell says at the end. Um, Sasha asks Will Ferrell, what's Barbie's ending? And he says, that's easy. She's in love with Ken. <laughs> and then Sasha goes, that is not her ending. And I was like, Sasha, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Because being in love with someone is not an ending. And it's not an ending for Barbie, and it's not an ending for Ken. No. It's not an ending because, for men or women. Well, just like what you said about Barbie, Ken wasn't made w wanting to be made for Barbie. He was just created in the same exact manner as Barbie, in that he was created for other people specifically for Barbie, but it's creation, and I don't even know how long these beings have been alive. It's so brilliant. <laughs> like, I never thought I'd be discussing Barbie in the same sentence as absurdist existentialism and the Bible. <laughs> and feminism. And feminism, yeah. Well, you can you can make that leap pretty easily, but the other, I'm just like, damn. They all tie in together. They're all one theme. Yeah, and I knew that it was going to be good because it was Greta Gerwig. And I, I kind of knew that this was going to cover feminism, but I didn't think it was going to cover it so well. Where, I mean, just like we said before, the main thesis is you got to try. You can't just lie down in the grass and let someone more important take care of it. You yeah. have to try. 
And I love that message because no matter how bad it is, no matter if you're a man, woman, somewhere in between, doesn't matter. Try. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think what's more is that it doesn't just cover feminism. It doesn't cover it because feminism is an ever-changing, huge idea. Yeah. It's an idea. You can't just like solve Barbie. That. Just like this movie didn't cover every single Barbie idea that there's ever been because it's an idea, but it explores feminism in depth and it explores not just feminism, it explores the world because feminism mm -hmm. is an outcome and it's a symptom of the world, just like patriarchy is. And that's what Ruth says. She says, being a human is hard. We create things like patriarchy and Barbie just to make sense of the world that we're in. And I was like, oh my God. Yep. Ugh, what a quote. Because the world is just chaos and we can create systems that can oppress us or control us or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's all just chaos, mm -hmm. which Jeez. is existential, but so is Barbie. Yeah. Existentialism, <laughs> baby. Oh, my God. The uh, when when she got depressed and laid down in the sand and then there was that co Mattel commercial for the new depression <laughs> yeah, yeah. Barbie. Oh, my God. That was so good that <laughs> that felt like a family guy cutaway. Yeah. That kind of humor. And I loved it. It's perfect. Uh, there was a lot of and, it, and then it really was like Barbie can be moments. anything. <laughs> Cellulite Barbie or whatever. <laughs> Uh, irrepressible thoughts of death, Barbie. <laughs> Another I... funny moment that I absolutely loved, and I can tell that it's going to make a lot of people angry, is when uh, one of the Barbie was just like, for some reason I was obsessed with the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. That was <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> like, I love the Snyder Cut, but yeah, people became like, manic for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because uh, because it was a man's vision that was cut short by a studio. Mm -hmm. Do you think any any outrage like that would ever happen for a women's view of a movie? A women's nope. version? Nope. I can't think of a single release the blank cut for a woman director. Uh, unless we're talking about Taylor's version, Taylor Swift's all of her songs. Then no, <laughs> I don't know anything else. Maybe the music video counts for that, but yeah, no. I don't know. I think, yeah, it's just, it. not not just that it was a huge, people became so obsessed with it, but that the studio actually listened. Like, yes. that's crazy to me. Anyway, Barbie is amazing. Everyone in this movie just fucking came to play. They were all, ha you could tell they were all having so much fun. Uh, Will Ferrell Will Ferrell was having so much goddamn fun in this movie. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> He's um, like, I became CEO of this for integrity so that Barbie can be important. For, for little girls' <laughs> dreams in the least creepy way possible. <laughs> yeah. If you're looking at this movie and are questioning, is there really a Barbie like that? Is there really a Barbie that looks like that? Barbie is an idea that represents women. If there's a woman who looks like that, then there's a fucking Barbie who looks like that. So go fuck yourself. Yes, that is the point of Barbie and Ken. Not just in this movie, but in real life. They are supposed to be exaggerated versions of men and women. Or just the basic concept of, people, of men and of women. Of people. They are ideas. 
representing us and mm-hmm. we give them power. So we should represent ourselves how we want to see ourselves. And I sometimes think- if you play with one of those toys, it, it it hates how depressed you are and it comes to meet you in real life. And maybe that'll <laughs> happen to you. Maybe. Maybe if your name is Sasha, it'll happen to you. <laughs> and your mom's America Ferrera. <laughs> Before we end the podcast, I recognized that it was going to be the mom only because I saw America Ferrera's. Like, obviously, that's the plot lo- plot point. But I saw America Ferrera in the title. Like, her name was in the opening credits. And I saw her hair. And I, I as a avid viewer of Superstore, if you've seen that show, it's great. Yes. Superstore, I, I, Ugly Betty, anything with America Ferrera, she's amazing. Um, yeah, I yeah, no, recognized her. I knew it was going to be her exactly. Yeah, because like they weren't showing her face in the first flashbacks. And I saw her hair and I was like, oh, it's going to be the mom. And I was like, yeah. but that makes sense to not show her face because it's her memories and she's not remembering her own face. She's remembering her daughter. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I was very happy about that, too. I was like, okay, we're not just getting into the daughter's, you know, fears of life. We're getting into the mom's. We're getting yeah. deep with it. Well, because Barbie, for better or for worse, affects every woman. Every girl has been affected by Barbie. I was a child who did not like Barbie. I didn't like to play with Barbies, but... I still had a giant chest under my bed full of Barbies that I didn't play with because people kept buying Barbies for me. (laughs) There was one single Barbie that I liked, and she was in this movie, and I loved it. She was the mermaid Barbie because I love mermaids. And (laughs) that was the only one that I played with. And my brother would take the Barbies, and he would play with them. And because they would just sat in a giant chest under my bed Mm. because I hated them. And... (laughs) That, you know, whether I played with them or not, the fact that people bought them for me, people assumed this is what you like. This is what you have to play with. You can't play with the Nerf guns that we buy your brother. You play with the Barbie. And that that is shaping. That impacts mm-hmm. every child. Barbie impact, whether you're actually, I don't think just women, I think or just girls. I think Barbie impacts everyone. If you're told you have to play with Barbie or if you're told you can't play with Barbie because you're a boy or you can't play with Barbie because of this or that. It's fucking crazy. 100%. Also, I just wanted to touch on the fact that this movie is uh I think it can be read as the most interesting case of a message of anti-consumerism while also being the most advertised consumer friendly movie ever uh, maybe other than the lego movie <laughs> when when they throw the retro barbie clothes off the roof and they spread out and then have the the name next to it it's like they're obviously gonna sell these they're gonna sell everything from this movie the second that ken at the end transformed into that i am Kenuff sweater i was like <laughs> i need that me yep, and my friend I'm turned to each that. other in the theater i was like i'm gonna get that everyone's gonna get that it's amazing and every reference that they put in this movie, I haven't looked up or researched, but I just know that it's all real because you could feel the care. I cannot believe Sugar Daddy Ken and Magic Earring Ken are real. That is absolutely hilarious. 
I did look those two up just to be like, there's no way. They're real. They They're are real. real. Everything's real. Alan, real. Okay. Uh, Barbie with the TV in her back, real. <laughs> Boob growing skipper or whatever that was. Yeah. That's fucking real. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I have to ask, with all of the proposition of Ken and Barbie being the concepts of masculinity and femininity, where the heck is Alan supposed to exist? Where are the Allens of the world supposed to go? He's Ken's buddy. <laughs> <laughs> He's Ken's special roommate. <laughs> He's Ken's buddy. All his all Ken's clothes fit him. That's all there is to say. <laughs> he doesn't need anything else. <laughs> Poor Alan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when he was just trying to escape. As soon as they, what was his line? As soon as they learn how to build that wall sideways and not just up. <laughs> <laughs> that got me. Oh my god. Is there much else? I think I think that's all we have to say on Barbie. Unless you talk to us in person, I'm sure we'll have a lot more to say. Oh. I am going to finish recording and immediately think of something else to say. But until then, this has been a podcast hosted by Two Wise Trees.